Well, hello. Welcome back to Dark Stories from the Campfire. Have you ever been out in the woods and were sure there's something was behind you? Or maybe waiting outside your tent? There probably was. For this episode, we present to you four dark tales that center around the theme of camping. Our first story is about a family on their 4th of July vacation when one of the children notices something behind the flickering flames of the campfire. When she sees it again in their RV, they have to decide, was it all a nightmare or something more sinister at play? We present to you, I could only see the shadow. I had just turned 12 when the story about to tell happened. Michael had bought a camper and invited my family out to the lake with him and his family for an extra long weekend to celebrate the 4th of July. The first day at the campsite was pretty normal. We spent the morning hiking behind the woods where we had parked the RV, and after lunch we went for a swim in the nearby lake. Our first evening wasn't really that anything out of the ordinary. We lit a small bonfire, and circling around it we traded family gossip, talked about school, what our favorite subjects were, and other general topics. It was quite relaxing. When it came too late to keep the conversation going, my sister and I went into the RV while everyone else pitched tents outside because they wanted the full experience. And besides, my sister was very young at the time and needed a nightlight to help her sleep, and a dwindling bonfire wasn't enough for her to justify sleeping in a tent. Since we had separate rooms in our house, I wasn't used to the nightlight and it took me a while to fall asleep. Eventually I did fall asleep watching the stars and sheep from the nightlight rotate around the RV. Our second day was more or less the same as the first, more hiking and swimming. Other than a brief scare that we had lost my little sister, we hadn't actually because she had just wandered off to look at some colorful mushrooms, we were all smiles and filled with laughter. As it began to grow dark, we made another fire and circled around it like the night before. And as my father and uncle argued over who made the better Thanksgiving pie, I drifted off and once again watched the flickering shadows against the trees. I didn't notice it at first as the constant movement of people around the campfire masked its appearance. After a few minutes, I noticed another shadow against one of the trees that was not moving at all. While all the other shadows became bent or distorted as people moved or ebbed and flowed with the flame, the shadow stayed static. I could make out only the head and shoulders, so it appeared that it was sitting down. In fact, it looked like it was sitting opposite of me. I leaned forward to try to determine what could be causing the dark figure. But as I did so, it too became bent and distorted and was lost with the overlap of the other shadows. I wasn't sure if I should say anything. Maybe I was just exhausted and combined with the random flickering of the flame, my mind created an image that just wasn't there. Shortly after, a few of my family members moaned about it getting late and I gathered up my sister so we could settle in the RV. After tucking my sister in and turning on her nightlight, I laid down on the bed, watching the stars and sheep rotate above my head. I began to think more of the unmoving shadow and what might have caused it. Suddenly, I heard a creak. It was faint, but noticeable, as though someone had taken a step in the middle of the RV. I couldn't move. I knew it wasn't my little sister, as I could hear her gently snoring a few feet away. Again, I heard another creak, this time closer and louder. The nightlight began to go brighter, and the stars and sheep swirled around faster. I heard another footstep, closer than the two before. I listened as my sister turned over in her sleep, the nightlight growing brighter and the objects moving faster. I forced myself towards the middle of the RV. Against the wall I could see the shapes of the stars and sheep rotating rapidly, disappear then reappear, disappear then reappear, 
the head and the shoulders of the shadow. Slowly, the shadow began to stand up, and as it did, the nightlight grew too bright and the ball popped. I could feel the RV shake and then a scream from one of the tents outside. I jumped out of bed and out of the RV. The campfire had gone out, and in the moonlight I could see my sister's backpack had been torn open and all its contents scattered across the ground. My uncle was holding my aunt as he kept repeating to us, it was only a nightmare everyone, no reason to be alarmed, it was just a nightmare. The next morning, as we cleaned the campsite, an argument broke out about whose responsibility it was to make sure the campfire stayed lit, because an animal clearly had come in and torn my sister's backpack. But no one was really talking about how that could have happened without anybody hearing it. During all this, my aunt sat at a distance from the campsite with a sad look on her face. We would leave later that afternoon without any explanation as to why we were cutting the trip short. On the drive back, I sat next to my aunt. She was holding a small pouch with a country scene on it, the farmhouse, a fence, and some animals. While she sat motionless, her hand was caressing the pouch. I looked down to see what she was doing, and above the sheet print on the country farm, she was drawing a star. Our second story concerns a group of cousins that decide to spend the weekend camping and exploring, but when they stumble upon an abandoned house with a human mural and a terrible secret, their lives are changed forever. We present you, It Looked Back at Me. Last year, at the beginning of spring, a couple of cousins invited me to go camping. I had never been camping, so I immediately said yes and was excited about the new experience. My cousin said that they knew of a good spot that wasn't too far away from a small pond and some hills to hike. About a week later, we packed up the car and set off, all in good humor, laughing, and teasing each other, which of course made the three-hour ride into the dense forest a little easier. We didn't even seem to notice that the city turned into towns, which in turn transformed into trees. It was about midday when we pulled into our site and began unpacking. In just a few hours, we had our tent set up and a fire going. As we were lounging by the fire, we began to discuss what we should do the next day. After a small debate between my cousins, it was agreed upon that after breakfast, we should go hiking while the weather was cooler, then in the afternoon, make our way to the pond to swim. The rest of the night was uneventful, and we each retired to our tents a few hours after dark. The next morning, after breakfast, we headed west from our campsite for a few hours of hiking and exploring. We had only gone about a mile and a half when one of my cousins thought she saw something in the distance that looked like a cabin. Initially, we thought it must belong to someone who uses it to get away from the world from time to time. But as we got closer, we noticed that it didn't look as though anyone had lived there for a while. The roof had holes in it, the front windows were caked with dust, and the front steps had all but collapsed. Maybe it was out of nervousness, but almost instantly, we began daring each other to go inside the house. Though I'm sure none of us really wanted to. After a few minutes of accusing each other of being cowards, we decided we'd all would enter the cabin together. The door, which was unlocked, almost came off the frame as we pulled it open, and we soon found ourselves standing in the living room. The cabin was completely empty, no furniture, no tables, nothing. However, the wall was covered with paintings of wood-like people, but they had no faces. Also, there was water trickling down the walls in various places, which was odd because, though the roof was in bad shape, it hadn't been raining. As we stood looking at the paintings and wondering where the water was coming from, we thought we heard something move in the back room down the hall. 
Each of us froze and confirmed that the other had heard it as well. A few minutes later, we heard it again. Not loud, but as if someone was dragging something. This is ridiculous, said one of my cousins. It's probably just an animal. Fine, we said. Go look then. We watched as my cousin made her way down the hall towards the back room. We also watched as she opened the door and stood as though electricity had been sent through her. She didn't move at all. For several minutes, we called out her name and asked what it was, but she didn't respond or move. Finally, she began to back away down the hall towards us. When she returned to the living room, all she did was look at us and say, I think we should go. We were practically running back to our camp trying to keep up with my cousin. As soon as we got back to our site, she began breaking down her tent. When he asked her what she was doing, she just kept repeating, I think we should go, I think we should go. And in almost no time at all, the car was packed up and we were on our way home. It was over an hour later that my cousin began to tell us what happened. When I opened the door, she began, I saw this thing hunched in a corner. I, I think it was hunched, I'm not sure. And it was covered in, I think, fur. But it wasn't fur because what would be the hair, each strand was moving by itself. There was something in its hand, I think they were hands, that was melting, but at the same time not. I don't really know how to describe it exactly. What else? We prodded her. It held up its finger and pointed towards our campsite without looking away from me. It just kept looking and pointing. It was then we understood why she wanted us to leave. Even now, when we try to talk about the experience, my cousin gets fidgety and nervous. Before we present to you our last two dark stories, let's take a breath and gain our senses back. Our third dark story is about a group of siblings that have rented a cabin in the Virginia woods. When they find a guestbook with an ominous entry, they initially ignore it. That is until one night when a flash of light reveals they might not be alone at all. We present to you, No Lights. As anyone who has ever stayed in the mountains of western Virginia knows, technology stops at the door. There is no internet or cell phone reception, it is just you and the natural world. A few years ago, two of my sisters, along with their three dogs and myself, rented one of the cabins in the national park for a few days. Since technology wasn't an option, the cabin itself didn't even have a television. We planned on entertaining ourselves with board games, books, cooking, and taking the dogs for a walk. As we were unpacking and putting the food away, we noticed that on the fireplace mantle was a guest book that the previous occupants had filled out concerning their stay and how they enjoyed the cabin. Later that evening, after a fine meal of Cajun chicken and noodles, we settled into the living room with hot cider and for fun read some of the entries from the guest book. The majority of the entries are what one would expect from that type of guest book. Entries such as, brought my nephews and they had fun running up and down the mountains, saw a bear, it was scary but awesome, went hiking, grabbed a couple of great nature pictures, general entries that blended into each other, except for one that admittedly we thought was a joke. In retrospect, we should have taken it a bit more seriously. The entry read, May 15th, the place is nice and peaceful but at night there are no lights, except for inside the cabin. 
Also, I was woken several times the night by scratching sounds at the front door. It's most likely a wild animal that maybe earlier occupants had fed that keeps coming back, but the scratches seem to be coming from top of the door, not the bottom. I'm going to check with the park rangers in the morning to ask what animals are in the area when I check out. After reading the passage out loud, my sisters and I just looked at each other and agreed that it was someone trying to scare people who might have ended up reading the entry. Not long afterwards, the dogs began to circle the front door, the universal dog sign for time to go to the bathroom. It was well into night by then, and as we stepped off the front porch to allow the dogs to do their things, I noticed that the lamppost that marked the parking spot was barely visible even though it was only about 20 feet away. Thinking it was probably due to a tiredness, or my eyes had just not adjusted properly, I walked closer to the lamppost. After getting about three quarters of the way there, I turned around to check on the dogs when I noticed that, other than the lamp in the cabin, which was barely visible in the window, I couldn't see the cabin. There were no lights anywhere, not even from the moon, which was full on that particular night. There was just a thick darkness from everywhere. Heading towards the faint light in the window, I made my way back to the cabin and commented how dark it was outside to my sisters, not really connecting it to the entry we had read just a short while ago. A few hours and several fire logs later, we decided to go to bed. Anyone who has ever stayed out in the wilderness knows, nighttime in the mountains can be very silent. So from living my entire life in the city, the silence was a little unnerving and it took me a while to fall asleep. However, sometime during the night, as everyone else was asleep, I thought I heard a faint scratching noise, but I couldn't determine where it was coming from. It didn't last long, and in the end, I attributed it to that's just what nature sounds like. The next day we took the dogs hiking, played board games, and engaged in general conversation until it was time for bed. Once again, I began to hear the scratching, a little louder than the prior night, and I still could not figure out where it was coming from. It sounded like it was coming from everywhere, but nowhere, but also very rhythmically. Like the night before, the scratching didn't last long, but this time I remembered the guest log entry and began to grow concerned. During breakfast the next morning, I asked my sister if they happened to hear anything during the night. Neither one had. In fact, they both said they slept rather soundly, other than the dogs moving around to get more comfortable. Maybe that is what you heard, said one of my sisters, the dogs moving about. They can be pretty noisy when I'm trying to bed them down. Maybe, I replied. The day played out much like the first two, and it was, once again, well into the night that we retired to our separate bedrooms. I was still uneasy. I kept thinking about the guest entry and the scratches, and just like the nights prior, I began to hear the scratches. Except this time they sounded closer and much louder. I lay there peering into the darkness, listening. This time, the sound lasted longer than before, and they sounded like they were moving. First against the living room wall, then up to the ceiling, then down to the floor. Then it stopped. But in the darkness, through the silence, I could hear my bedroom door gently shaking. I quickly grabbed my phone from the nightstand and turned on the flashlight function and pointed it towards the door. In the space between the door and the floor, lying side to side, were fingers wriggling about. No hands, just fingers. No sooner had I flashed the light towards the door, the fingers retreated. A loud groan was heard, and what sounded like dozens of footsteps were running towards the front door. Everyone in the cabin was now awake, including the dogs, who were barking and acting hysterical. When we each exited our room and entered the living room, we noticed the front door was wide open, but outside, all we could see was the faint light from the lamppost. The next morning, we checked out and drove home.
to our fourth and final dark story, we have the tale of an individual who would love to go camping. When they and a group of friends spend one last hurrah outdoors, they find themselves in a disturbing situation with a horrible realization. We present to you, Laid to Rest. I used to love camping. Being outdoors and sleeping under the stars was always a good way for me to escape from the dullness of the modern world. But after what happened last time, I'm not sure I could ever be out in the woods ever again. Two years ago, a group of us wanted one last hurrah before our last year in college before we split off to pursue life's interest. There were four of us in total, and as we piled into the car, we were jovial and filled with energy. We spent the next few hours listening to music and chatting about who was dating who and what the next year of our lives might bring us. The drive was pleasant, and as the trees had begun to change, leading to the dreariness of the city melting into an explosion of colors. As we crossed the river, stretching for miles in either direction, we began to wonder about the people who lived in the wilderness and what they were like. The car stopped abruptly. Over our yells, the driver smiled and apologized, saying that we were there and that she had almost missed the spot. With a few of us groaning about almost being killed, we grabbed our packs and made our way into the woods. We had only hiked for about 15 minutes or so when we found a nice spot to relieve ourselves of our packs and to set up camp and to gather broken twigs and logs for the fire that we would make later in the day. Since we had a few hours of daylight left, we decided to explore the area, get a feeling of our surroundings. I had brought a camera to take pictures, so if anything, at least we would have the memories. But one thing I wanted more than anything was a group photo. I propped the camera against the tree and grouped all of my friends together. We threw up our usual hand signals and waves and peace signs and laughed after we heard the click of the camera. A little while later, we made our way back to the camp to settle down for the rest of the day. When we arrived back at our tents, we were shocked to find a woman standing in the middle of our camping area. She looked middle-aged, and her clothes were old and worn, and even though she had her back to us, it looked like she was holding something up to her mouth. One of my friends called out to her to see if she needed help or was in trouble. The woman didn't speak, merely stood there. Another friend suggested that we approach her, that maybe she was lost and disoriented. As soon as we took a step in her direction, she turned around and said, Have you seen him? It was then I realized she was holding a baby rattle against her mouth. Have we seen who? I asked. We didn't move any closer. We continued to keep our distance. The woman didn't respond, but turned back around and walked towards the trees. We watched her for a few minutes, it was only after she was out of sight did we move and make our way to where she was standing. Shouldn't we go after her to make sure she's alright? She seemed lost, another friend of mine said as we stood there looking at each other. Another friend of mine and myself decided at least we should see where she went and to make sure the woman didn't hurt herself. After looking for several minutes, we could find no trace of her or any indication that she was even in the area. We could find no footprints or broken twigs that someone might have stepped on. That was a little weird, someone was saying as we entered the camp. A couple of my other friends concluded the woman was a crazy local that had wandered off. Who knows what kind of people live in the woods? Even though I was still a little unnerved, I had to agree with my friends. I'd been camping dozens of times and this was the first time I'd ever encountered anything like this. On a long enough timeline, I guess, anything is possible. An hour later, we were laughing and teasing each other over who was the most scared. Just in case she was a vampire and planning on coming back to drink our blood, we sharpened a couple sticks and tucked them in our belt loops. 
The rest of the evening was uneventful, as night fell we built a campfire and ate beans. Not because we liked them, but because the person who was in charge of food decided to be funny and only bring cans of beans. After dinner we lounged around the fire, swapping stories and tossing anything dry we could find in the fire to watch it flicker and spark. I had been asleep for a few hours when I heard someone coughing. Wake up! I could feel the sleeve of my shirt being tugged at. Wake up! I think someone is outside the tent, my friend was saying to me. The coughing continued. I was too scared to move. If someone was outside the tent, I certainly didn't want anything to do with it and hoped they would just go away. Um, hello? Can we help you? My other friend was apparently up and trying to talk with whoever was in our camp. Sir, if you're looking for food, we have some beans you can have. I didn't hear any response. With much hesitation, I made my way out of the tent towards the campfire that was still burning. Sitting on the ground next to the fire, I could make out a figure of an older man wearing a plaid shirt and jeans. He had a knife in his hand that he was gently stabbing the ground with, which was the only movement that came from him. I don't mean to be rude, but you can't be here, one of my friends said through the darkness to the older man illuminated by the campfire. There was silence for several moments. Before one of us could speak again, the man lifted his head, and not looking at anyone in particular, said, I didn't mean to do it, but there he is. The man stopped stabbing the ground and sat motionless. A few minutes later, he stood and vanished into the trees and darkness. No one made an attempt to go after him. This is too weird. I think we should leave. Without saying anything, we all agreed, and it wasn't too long before we were back in the car, heading away from the forest. No one really said anything on the drive back, and as dawn broke and the sun began to rise, we crossed back over the river towards city and home. Months later, as I was packing for a job I had taken that forced me to relocate, I came upon the group photo that we took in the woods that day. And down by the feet of the four of us was a child playing with a rattle, with stars on one end and sheeps on the other, just like the one the woman was holding by her mouth. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe. We'll be releasing new dark stories every Monday, and we are sure you wouldn't want to miss out. If you like the stories and what we are doing here, please consider supporting the show with the links provided, or leave a tip if you like a particular episode. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Dark Stories from the Campfire.